Hello and welcome to Personally Invested. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. Today we sit down with a dynamic duo, uh, a pair that really are quintessential members of a team. And as we've seen the investment management business evolve over the last couple of decades, it's moved away from being a business of a single star manager who takes all the questions, takes all the spotlight, and it's evolved much more into team management, where people bring their diverse skill sets and background to the table to add more value for investors. And again, our guests today, I think, are a quintessential team. Uh, today, I'm speaking with Irene Fernando, who is an analyst and portfolio manager with the RBC Global Asset Management North American Equity Team. Sarah Nielsen is also a member of this team, and she is also an analyst and portfolio manager. We get into their approach to investment management, their interesting backgrounds, and then we also talk about ESG, which is becoming a much more central part of the way investment managers look and evaluate businesses. We also talk about their unique position as perhaps the only all-female investment management team on Bay Street. I think you'll love the conversation. So Irene, Sarah, welcome to Personally Invested. Uh, great, great to finally get you here. Uh, we've been uh, we've been trying to get you on the uh, on the personally invested podcast for quite some time, and uh, and now that Sarah is a complete celebrity, we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, it's even more important to have you here. Uh, but as we were talking, and and something that then this is why it's great to 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 have these conversations I, that I didn't even realize, uh, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit later on. But uh, you're likely the only uh, all female portfolio management team on Bay Street. And for those non-Canadian listeners, Bay Street is sort of Wall Street in Canada. And, and so, uh, so, so that's what we refer to it as here. Uh, but uh, let, let, let me start. Uh, so, so everyone will recognize Sarah. You can't, uh, on a podcast, you can't see her, although we will put her picture up uh, with, the, uh, with, with the, the, the taping. But uh, you can't walk around in the underground in any city in Canada, ride an elevator without seeing uh, Sarah's picture. <laughs> and uh, and and what uh, that 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 campaign that's being run? What's 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 the basis of that? Yeah, that's uh, to to talk about our leadership efforts that we've got going on in our team on environmental, social, and governance integration. So ESG for short. It's uh, a very popular buzzword that we're hearing, but. It, you know, we've worked really hard in, in RBC GAM as well as on our team to make sure we're integrating ES and G. And so this is to tell the world with my face in the uh, that we have uh, done a good job. And I think we're continuing on that. So I, I, I got my autograph. I've got my autograph for, uh, for my mom, uh, our audio technician, Sarah signing everything. And, uh, and uh, if, you, if you send us a nice note, we'll probably we'll get you a photo uh, with an autograph on it. But uh, we'll get back to the ESG because I think that's, that's fundamental, uh, a mm -hmm. fundamental part of, of, of your philosophy around managing money. It's very important to you. It, it, it's important to uh, the firm that you work for as well. Uh, but we always like to start uh, because it is called Personally Invested uh, and, and get to know you a little bit better because I, I think one of the things that's very interesting for people who invest with you 
uh, is knowing a little bit about your background and you've got, uh, you both got very interesting backgrounds. So uh, what I like is uh, I did my undergrad at the University of Toronto, so that's Irene. I did my master's degree at Queen's, that's Sarah. So they've got great educational backgrounds. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, I think people would be more interested, Sarah, in knowing about your uh, your overnight work at uh, Tim Hortons. So we get very Canadian on this uh, on on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Queens, as Dave said, uh, studied mechanical engineering, and in the summers I worked nights at Tim Hortons to uh, make ends meet. So that was a good learning opportunity to know where I uh, wanted to move away from and get. And, and you, 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 re, you, you reset their whole uh, donut dipping I was a uh, very engineering e process. <laughs> You're right. I was a very efficient donut icer at night, <laughs> as well as cleaning and drive through. Anyway, I have bigger skill sets than Tim Hortons. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so I studied mechanical engineering at Queen's. Um, after that, I went and worked in the automotive sector, actually building and designing automotive plastic parts in North Toronto. Did that for about four years, and and, and, and just that it, it, it's 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 not as uncommon as people think for people to have engineering backgrounds, oh, yeah. science backgrounds in the world of portfolio management today. In fact, uh, it, yeah. it's almost part of the orientation of portfolio management is towards the, that that skill set that comes yeah, from, no, from those for disciplines. Sure. Yeah, the the math background, the the technology basis, and some of the problem solving and and detail oriented nature of some of the engineering skill sets lend themselves very well to portfolio management and you know then I went on after being an engineer and learning a lot but also uh, deciding that I wanted to do more I did an MBA and uh, from there I decided wow I think this finance thing is really interesting and much more interesting than building car parts um, and I was lucky enough and I do think it's luck that I uh, I landed in the generalist program here at, at RBC and work for doing and, and, and yeah. what uh, the, the generals program because I think uh, I, Irene you were uh, yeah. you were part of that exactly. as well what uh, what's what's the essence of that program yeah it's a rotational program uh, at wealth management is the one I was at the bank has many different programs that allow new entrants to to rotate around into various parts of the business learn about different aspects of the business. So, for example, I worked in a strategy role with the management at Dominion Securities as my first role, which was excellent since I knew little to nothing about how this business worked. So sure. very quickly I uh, was immersed in learning. Then I worked on the uh, portfolio advisory desk at Dominion Securities uh, with a great team there and then was lucky enough to work in asset management with Brad Willock, one of our other big oh, U.S. portfolio yeah, managers. Yeah. And that really... Um, spark this love of asset management and that fundamental analysis piece that that fits so well with my background and so yeah and then analysts who come into these roles they can do a variety of rotations and it's really great learning opportunity for new new hires yeah and, and just so, uh, <coughs> additional background because I'm, I'm familiar with this program I, I I would never have made it into the program myself <laughs> because literally thousands of people apply and uh, and you know a couple of people are selected every year, so it's a very prestigious program. It's uh, it really speaks to uh, you know your skill set coming in, uh, and then gives you the different exposures, which uh, which again is really important in portfolio management to have that sort of broad view of the the world and an understanding of the way not just a specific area of the economy works and markets work, 
but everything and how it all fits together globally. Yeah, and it's a, an interesting thing about our team. We have a large team of analysts and portfolio managers at, at North, on the North American equity team, and most of our analysts came through that generalist program. So we, we are all coming from a, that similar background of learning a lot about the bank before we landed in our seats. And, uh, and Irene was also one of those special talents, although no ad, no ad uh, campaign for you. Working on it. We'll, 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 we'll see at some point. But uh, <laughs> your, uh, your, your, your background is more straight commerce. Yes. But uh, what, 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 what drove your, your interest in, in getting into the, the asset management business? Um, I guess, uh, as everybody's story, uh, you know, when you're young, you can't even think what you will be. Um, sure. I, I think the same happened to me. Um, I guess my uh, beginnings are similar to Sarah's, you know, coming from a smaller town, but all the way back in Ukraine, um, looking for a better future in Canada. Uh, so I immigrated here 20 years ago, um, trying to, you know, set up a better life, uh, find better opportunities for myself and uh, realize my potential, and which was pretty difficult. Uh, back in Ukraine at that time and um, it's funny what happened last year is that um, I, because I've been here over 20 years I for the first time I started noticing that I uh, stopped saying back home yeah. because home is here home is in kind of Toronto St. Lawrence market area so when I say home I no longer think about home as Ukraine my apartment where I grew up um, so once I was here as you mentioned I um, decided to go to UFT and just take a general business degree um, without really no agenda of, of where it would go. And I tried to explore different things. And um, sometimes uh, during second year, I met um, a person who was working at RBCDS and I um, was very, very persuasive and got a summer job. Um, and that's how it all started. Um, so I did uh, two or three summers at RBCDS, and that's how, where I learned about the investment management business, and I got exposure to great um, um, advisors uh, um, in our main branch. Um, and from that, I decided to go into investment banking, um, because uh, mainly because it gives you this solid base uh, of being able to analyze companies quickly. Um, it, it, it is hard work, I'm not going to lie. Um, so I was happy to be done with it. And I was lucky enough to be accepted in the Wealth Management Generalist Program, where I landed up with uh, Doug and Stu uh, on my second rotation, and I've been there since. So that's that's my story. Yeah, so Doug and Stu lead the, the, the North American equity team at, uh, at RBC Global Asset Management. Uh, so. So that's the, 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 the two of you as individuals and how you, you got into the firm, uh, but you worked together for nearly 10 years or a little over, over 10 over years. Over 10 years now, yeah. And uh, so how, how did this uh, dream team come together? <laughs> <laughs> Again, somewhat by chance, uh, but Irene was sort of the inaugural analyst for Stu and Doug, and uh, I joined shortly after, and we have been paired together ever since. Uh, she covered financials, I covered energy. These are the two bigger sectors in, in the Canadian market. So that was great. We could both learn from each other, but not overlap too much in, in what we were working on, which allowed us both to expand. And uh, we've been working together as portfolio managers now for over five years mm -hmm. and built a very trusting 
collaborative and mostly honest relationship with each other, which I think has benefited us both. And we can tell each other when we make mistakes, you know, in a in a nice way and in, in a way that we both come into work each day, I think, wanting to do better for the clients and wanting to do better with the portfolio. So, yeah, I think from our perspective is having each other and having the ability to bounce off idea off each other, um, do just a simple sanity check, say, does this even make sense? Like, um, and so I think that is a very, very valuable attribute of having a partnership. Not every partnership works, but our does. And it, it, I think it benefits both of us um, and all of our clients in the way that we approach the business, in the way that we do the sanity checks, in the way that we sometimes, you know, if it's hard time, we just go for a walk outside, even that. Not going for a walk alone, even well, that you know, you know, it's funny because I, I think a lot of listeners and, and, and there's, there's sometimes a perception, and I think it's a very old perception, uh, that the investment management business is about that individual star manager that you see on TV mm -hmm. uh, giving stock picks and saying, oh, this is what I think. and here, But, but really this teaming approach, uh, I, I'm sure you would agree, uh, is a much more effective way of managing money because it does bring those different ideas together, yes, yeah. bouncing ideas, challenging each other, totally. and and you're you're completely on side with the idea of working as a, a team be, between the two of you, but as a yeah. broader team on with with Stu and Doug. Yes, oh for sure. It, yeah, it works if you have if you firmly believe in the goal and you're going to the same objective. Um, I think then it works, especially if you establish a relationship with trust then you come to work and you help each other and it just makes for an easier day and sometimes our jobs can be pretty tough and it's really really beneficial for um, for both of us and as well we hang out outside of work too which is uh, maybe it's a lot of each other but we actually <laughs> like each other quite a bit so so she she's she's made some donuts for you <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I, I like donuts quite a bit. <laughs> I should have brought some. I know you should have brought some. So let's talk about uh, the, the overall investment philosophy that, uh, that you use in, 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 in the sectors that, and areas that you cover uh, as part of the broader team. What, what would you say, uh, as, 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 a, as a pair, uh, is the core of, of the way you think about investing money for, for Canadians? Yes, so I think the philosophy was originally started and slowly developed by a pair of Doug and Stu. And since we were their first analyst, we were part of actually building out this philosophy. Um, it was us that uh, trying to figure out what's the best way to present something that we call the scenario analysis. Um, and what it, what it is, is um, our attempt at figuring out what could happen in the future versus what will happen in the future. We're trying to figure out um, different scenarios in which companies can find themselves and how will they react, how will their business weather in a specific situation, and what will the outcome be. So this is kind of at the core of what we do. We're not trying to predict one single stock price in a year from now because I think you will be invariably wrong. And so um, keeping an open mind and understanding what is embedded in a stock price at any point in time is probably the most critical thing that we do. 
because this way we can assess what we believe is is possible versus what the market is pricing in and that's where you find these arbitrage opportunities so that's kind of the base the philosophy of how we do things and then the way we go forward we just build on top of it and i just wanted to reiterate that this is a very very repetitive process a process of going back asking yourself the same question asking yourself different question trying to figure out which way i can look at the stock that's different that i didn't think about yet and having you know a big analyst team that does that day in day out and i just feel like we have this platform of knowledge where you can just dip in and get the information you need and rerun it rethink it and that's kind of how we go about so, the so, so do you believe that that that, that disciplined repeatable process it's, yes. it's, it's it's over and over, over again, again that same discipline yeah. It, does that lead to more consistent results in for, for for investors that are that are replacing their trust in you? Yes, I I firmly believe so. That continuous like recalibration of the same idea and the same process uh, builds into repetitive formula. Um, we know we have seen multiple situations where stocks have worked. We have seen multiple situations where they didn't. So identifying it, learning from the past and trying to apply it to the future, it's very, very helpful, right? And we think about the future like simple things, like examples, like what will happen if Canadian consumer is weak? What will happen to consumer stocks? Like broad issues and how they impact specific stocks at specific level. Yeah, and the way I think about that, and, and, and Irene's right, Stu and Doug have taught us often not to get stuck on one-point prediction. Mm -hmm. Don't try to make, okay, I think this stock will do X in a certain time, because you start to filter information that you hear to back up that prediction, which is a dangerous game to play. Sure. So the scenario analysis method, the way that, that we've all uh, embraced that, it allows us to take in new information every day. And, and apply it to how we think about the company. And if we learn something meaningful, then we, we apply it, look how it sits within that scenario analysis framework. And if we change our mind, that's fine. We mm -hmm. have come in every day and we can change our mind about how we think of something because we think of how things could change and where, where the company sits on that wide spectrum of where things can go right and wrong. And, and uh, so, so let's uh, so so that that that's interesting around process, and again, the consistency yeah. of the process, how it can be repeated, and that delivers more consistent results, yeah. uh, which is ultimately what I'm sure, as an investment manager, you want to deliver for for investors. Yes. Uh, but something, as you said, a buzzword, which maybe may uh, one one way of, <laughs> of of describing it, but but more of something that particular well, really all global investors are getting more interested yes. in is this idea of ESG, environment, social governance, uh, responsible investing. And uh, we joked about the ad campaign, but the reason why you're featured uh, is that you really believe in this and you believe this is an, another way that you can add value as an investment manager. So, so, sure. so we, we've had Melanie Adams on the podcast and, and Stu as well. But from your perspective, why do you think this is such an important thing for you as an investment manager to be looking at? Yeah, and I, you know, I shouldn't have called it a buzzword because we don't consider it a trend or a buzzword. It's yeah. integral into our process, incorporating the consideration of these non-financial factors yeah. into how we think about that scenario analysis of the future of the companies 
it fits right in, in the framework that Irene described. So you're thinking about things like, are the, you know, for environmental, social and governance, there's lots of different factors that impact a company. And I'll give some examples just so people understand where we come from on, on each of those. So environmental, it could be very topical carbon exposure, climate change exposure, or water usage, um, even land use. Are you using land close to uh, some other important area? Has the company thought about the risks, regulatory changes that could impact the sustainability of their business model? So these are things that we have to ask ourselves, and then we spend a lot of time asking the companies. Social, you know, that covers a wide variety of things, but employee safety is one key metric that we think about, have it, especially in the energy sector that I spend a lot of time on. Are they keeping employees safe? Are they wanting to come back to work? Is there a risk that we're seeing a higher turnover in a company and what that could impact on their sales, their margins, things like that? Um, or their community impact. And then governance, that's where we spend a lot of time thinking about is a company actually making decisions that are positive for the future of their shareholders and their stakeholders? Do they have the right management team, the right board? Is it diverse? A lot of studies have shown that diverse boards and management teams actually produce better results. So we at RBC GAM are really advancing that conversation. And, and, and what's really interesting, because uh, RBC just released a, uh, a poll on responsible investing, mm -hmm. which again is part of uh, the, the, the campaign that you're featured in, and, and a couple of the numbers that I found particularly interesting uh, was I, I think a lot of investors think uh, sometimes of ESG and, and being uh, aware of those, those factors in an investment that it's somehow a trade-off. Uh, but actually, mm -hmm. Canadian investors have come to realize that it's not. You can sort of have your cake and eat it too around ESG factors, uh, that you can invest in companies that are good at those things without sacrificing returns. And, and then particularly for younger investors, so uh, millennials who get a lot of, uh, of airtime, uh, that this is kind of table stakes for them, that, yeah. that, that that's that expectation. It kind of makes sense too because uh, consumers uh, are, are driving, you know, they don't want to work with co companies uh, that are terrible to the environment, uh, don't treat their employees very yep. well, and don't have a whole lot of integrity in the way that they run their business. So well, and in the it long, just makes sense. Yeah, and in the long run, those businesses tend not to perform well. There will be short-term divergences, but over the long-term, businesses that are thinking about their impacts on society, customers, environment, and governance and well-governed thinking about risk management within their business they will outperform we believe and the way we think about ESG and 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 each analyst on our, on our team spends time thinking about the risk to the companies that they are are analyzing and coming up with what they think is are relevant factors for those companies and how that could impact the scenario analysis in the long term is this business something that investors will pay a premium for or maybe they won't, they'll pay a discount because they're doing something wrong. We need to think that and challenge that. As well as we've also come up with many different themes that we're digging into, and I love to dig into things. Um, I've got a, a real obsession with details, so I, uh, you know, the themes around climate change and some of the carbon um, concerns that are happening, the, the more companies that are signing up to promise to be carbon neutral or even carbon negative, 
these are going to present risks to companies on how they get to that place sure. and then maybe opportunities maybe there's investment opportunities for us in thinking about how that capital gets allocated so there's a lot of new mm -hmm. themes emerging that we're learning through our integration of ESG that I think will help the client in the long term yeah I would like to add that if if let's say we look back five ten years ago and we see uh, the attitude towards ESG from companies it has really um, changed and changed very dramatically and it's not only about you know environment it's not only about social it's just how the way the company structure themselves to truly serve not only their shareholders but their employees and their customers so it's it's almost a change in the way um, the companies think about their own philosophy and how why are they here for it's not only for business it's not only for profit but it's now um, I think a push in the last 10 years really changed the uh, perspective of the boards and the management of how to structure the business around serving multiple stakeholders in a society and not only their shareholders. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately, and, and I think we, we're, we're seeing that that's without sacrificing yes. necessarily profitability Profits. or long-term exactly. performance. In fact, it, it, it makes it more reliable and sustainable over time. Yeah, exactly. So, Let's uh, just just while we, we because you you, you work in uh, you're, you're working on the North American equity team and, and particular focus in, in, in Canada, uh, but from one one of the things that that we we've talked about on this podcast, uh, because most people who listen to it are are Canadian investors, uh, the the importance of investing outside of Canada, and so you you've uh, your background is focusing as you said on on financials, yours on energy. And that is one of the limitations of the Canadian market in some way. Where, where do you see, from, from your perspective, sitting as like North American managers, um, the importance for Canadian investors, really all investors, uh, to think beyond their own borders from an investment perspective? Yes. Um, so I think we're all human beings and we all have our own home bias. Home is the best, right? <laughs> like we, we like what we know, we feel comfortable. Um, but I think, um, you know, multiple studies have shown that having global portfolios that reflect and diversify many, many risks are very beneficial longer term. So Sarah and I both are uh, part of investment policy committee at RBC Asset Management and uh, we are part of the discussion where we determine the allocation across different geographies um, to make sure that uh, retirement portfolios of Canadians are prepared for, you know, global economy, global reach. And um, that it's been interesting couple of years since we started on investment policy committee um, and even opened up my own eyes. My portfolio got more global <laughs> than it was before. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I think um, it is very important to diversify. And I think RBC offers great products that uh, allow investors to reach that diversification. Yeah. So uh, let, let's just finish up on, on, on a topic that's uh, near and dear to my heart because <laughs> I've, got a, uh, I've got two young daughters, my 13-year-old, uh, my, my uh, coincidentally uh, named Sarah as well, uh, is, uh, is, is very interested in, uh, in mathematics and I can see her following the same kind of direction uh, that, that you both followed in your careers. Uh, and she's going to enter a world if she wants to get into portfolio management that's quite a bit different than the world that uh, that you entered even yes. you know 15 years ago. 
we were, uh, we, again, we were joking around before we started taping. Uh, I, I've sat down with many teams, investment teams, and it's more often than not two guys. Uh, if it's not that, it's a man and a woman. Uh, but as we highlighted, you're maybe the only team uh, of investment managers in, uh, in, you know, in a major investment firm uh, to women. And it's just uh, the diversity, uh, not, you, you, you focus on that in responsible investing, mm -hmm. diversity of boards and companies, and, uh, but, but diversity in, in, in the team that you're working on, uh, the broader team and then just the, the two of you working together. Why do you think it's so important and, and how do you think it adds value for the people who invest with you? Yeah, I think that diversity of thought, background, approach that comes from from being two females, but even if I think about our, our North American equity team, it's it's got a nice balance of females and males and other backgrounds and educational backgrounds and it really adds to that investment process and the and we can challenge each other and ask questions and be learning about um, different aspects and different ways of thinking about the world. So I think diversity does bring a lot to how we approach company analysis and market analysis. I and think, and, yeah. and you're, you're, you're bringing the additional perspective of, of coming from Ukraine to Canada as well. So. Yeah, I keep people in check. <laughs> she does. Um, I think it is very important to have a diverse team. Um, it just makes it for a better day, I think. <laughs> um, and um, again, as I mentioned, that companies now starting to really make a, a conscious effort to build diverse team. It doesn't happen overnight, right? So we can't expect them, but what we do expect them to do is to have a plan and say, yes, maybe my board has one woman, but maybe in three, four years from now, I'll have more. And I consider all that, all candidates equally. And you can even see some firms in the United States now say, if we have applicant pool of a thousand people, and I'm gonna see 20, but there's only 200 women applying out of a thousand, you get me 10 women and 10 men. So even like even drastic like that, there's just policies in place. And I think every year, um, it'll just be more opportunities for everybody. Yeah. Well, I, I, and it, it 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 it's moving along yep. a little slower, slower. than uh, yeah, than we'd like. Change but, but, takes time. But certainly, in 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 your team, it it's moved along a long way, and I think it's something to celebrate. It has, and it's a great profession. Mm -hmm. I think it gets lost a little bit sometimes, and when you when people think about investment management or Wall Street or Bay Street, and that it's like a a real macho sort of career, and it's you know, kind of like the Wolf of Wall Street sort of movie situation and, and, and people often don't want to live that life. We, and, but we don't live that life, everybody. No. <laughs> and, and it's a great life for, for women who want a more flexible yeah. career or, you know, for people who have this lifelong curiosity and interest. And it changes every day. It's not just sitting, looking at spreadsheets. We are out there meeting with ground, management yeah. teams, touring oh, so many facilities and oil plants. Um, but it's great. It's always learning. It's always changing. And I think it's a really excellent career for, for, for men and women. Yeah. And 
hopefully we see more women approach this career. I, I think every day when we come to work, we just kind of view ourselves as stewards of capital. We want to make sure that we picture my grandma, your grandma, making sure that their money is invested properly, uh, taken care of, and it's lasting them for the future. And we have a great responsibility, and it's, it is definitely not Wolf Wall Street <laughs> kind of environment. Um, so, um, and it goes well with being a female. Well, that's uh, that's great. I I I, I know we, uh, we 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 struggled to, uh, to to book this time together, but it was uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. It was uh, it was certainly worth the wait. It's uh, it's just great to watch uh, to see two people who are who work so well together and produce such great results. So uh, thank, thank you, you very very thank much for your thank time. You thank you for having, having us. Thank you for listening to Personally Invested. If you have suggestions for future podcasts please email us at rbcgampodcasts at rbc.com.